Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Rick Mon is locked and loaded on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Yes, indeed. Uh, it's the Tuesday. No, it's not. It's Thursday, the 11th of January, 2024. This is TNT. Today's news talk, this is Locked and Loaded. I am Rick Munn and oh, more action, more action folks is on the way. Uh, it's like being in a tumble dryer at the minute, but that's a good thing because with the tumble dryer, all your clothes come out nice and dry, smelling nice if you throw one of those little sheets in there and it saves you having to peg them out on the line and maybe getting them soaked in a downpour. What does that mean, Rick? What are you talking about? I have absolutely no idea. Sometimes stuff just comes out of my mouth and sometimes it means stuff and sometimes it's total and utter gibberish but anyway you're still here you're still listening and that's what's most important so let me give you a flavor of what's coming up i'm going to talk to Gemma cooper very shortly and i've got three guests i've got dr tech king coming on he's going to talk about the absolute dismantlement and the falling apart at the seams of the nhs and how it's prompted him and uh, to make a, a move into politics also lois perry will be joining me at around about half past the hour she is a broadcaster and a director of car26.org campaigning for rational analysis of climate matters with a satirical twist and to round the show off, I'm going to be joined by my old sparring partner from days of yore, Fabio Vici. He is a professor of critical theory and Italian at Cardiff University, and he's going to be chewing the fat with me about finance and geopolitics. So before we even get to that, uh, just to make you lovely people aware, you can listen in live on our uh, website, which is tntradio.live. You can watch or listen to the live stream on YouTube or Rumble or Odyssey, all of the major streaming platforms. And of course, all our shows are now uploaded, not just to listen to, no, but to watch also on all the major streaming platforms. So uh, Spotify, Apple Music, etc. Get yourself on there, look for TNT Radio, and you'll be able to listen back or watch back any of the shows that you may have missed. And shame on you, quite frankly, if you've missed any of our shows because you are missing out on some real gems at the minute. Uh, the, the, the shows recently have been particularly entertaining and enjoying, at least from my perspective anyway. So if you haven't already done it, uh, kindly download the app from the Google Play Store or the App Store, get it onto your listening device of choice. And a lot of changes coming as well uh, on TNT. Yesterday, Sonia Poulton put a post up. Uh, she's going to be joining the roster, and she's going to be doing a morning show here in the UK that starts on Monday coming, I think, which is Monday the 15th of January. She'll be a great addition to uh, TNT, and a few other heads are going to be popping into the mix as well. More shall be revealed, but... We're constantly trying to keep uh, the quality up here on TNT, and I think we're doing a damn fine job of it. Uh, I'm going to take a pause. Uh, Gemma's going to be joining me. She has a, a, a an update for us on the post office scandal. It's just uh, never-ending, this one, and that's not a bad thing because it means that justice is coming, hopefully, for the, the 700-plus people that were wrongfully accused of fraud and accountancy errors because of uh, Fujitsu Horizon, and uh, it's interesting to see how this one is actually developing, and I've another one that I want to run past her uh, before she gets to that. So we'll take a brief pause. We'll be right back here on TNT, today's news talk. There's a lot going on. So it's important to stay informed and up to date. Get ready, because here we go. At the top, 30 minutes past and when it breaks. Today's news talk radio, TNT. 
Gemma, it's all go on TNT. Is it not? Is it not all go? Tell me if I'm right or wrong. Oh, it's all going. It's all going a good way, isn't it? New additions to the team, expansion, second birthday celebrations yesterday. I mean, it's just absolutely brilliant. And it shows the the shift in, in building the new, which is what everyone's been talking about since 2020 hit. How do we move away from old systems and build the new? Well, that's exactly what this station is doing. It's a real broadcasting success story. I've been in the media my whole career. And this, this is just definitely the environment to be in. It's new. It's pushing forward. It's free thinking. It's free speech in the best possible way. I heard you Natalie talked there to your last guest about, you know, having different political opinions uh, and being able to get on like grown-ups. You know, who'd have thought it? We'd have to even have that conversation in this day and age. But that's where the world is, polarized and people falling out with each other. We're pushing forward. We can be polarized as much as you want. But at the end of the day, we can all have a drink and go to the bar and act like civil adults. That's what this station represents. And that's why it's growing, I think. It's just brilliant. It is, it is. It's refreshing, you know, it's refreshing. And we haven't been stagnant here. You know, with uh, Mike and Jenny have been constantly trying to push the envelope for TNT since the station started, which was just over two years, two years and a day ago now. And trust me, I think, well, for those of you who don't know, uh, right at the very, very beginning to where we are now, you know, it has been light years of development and progression. And it's absolutely fantastic to see. And props to the people in the live chat as well. Some of those folk have been listening in right from the very beginning of the station and they're still here and they're still lending their support and spreading the news so massive respect to everyone that contributes into the live chat again some of you may agree with stuff that we say some of you don't but listen you've got a forum to express that and of course even in the open line show they can even people can phone in and you know challenge us or give us a hard time about what we're saying that's fine we're not going to fall out with anybody about it and hopefully you won't fall out with us about that either. You know what? I was going to talk about something here in Ireland, but I'm not going to now. I think this post office business is too important. Let's give it as much time as we can. What is the uh, latest from the post office slash horizon scandal? Well, it's the inquiry. Um, the inquiry, which started into all this back in uh, 2021, it resumes today after a break over the Christmas period. And of course, it's a very different landscape for the post office now. Um, it, there's seven stages to this inquiry, all about how you know criminal proceedings were brought against these poor hundreds of uh, sub-postmasters and mistresses because of a, a glitch in the IT system. I don't want to call it IT, and I'm calling it AI. That's what it is. It's this salient warning of what's to come for all of us if we let this thing take over our lives. However, However, uh, it's it's now on phase four. Phase four is today. Uh, it's already had some uh, preliminary hearings, phase four, and it resumes today. Phase four is about the actions taken against these poor people and how it was allowed to happen. But there have been three previous hearings. So we're halfway through the inquiry. But of course, what's happened is in the, in the interim period is we've had this docudrama, which has shown the true story. It's shown the human impact and it's shown the power of television. It's shown the power of television. This is this is the job that really more journalists should have been doing, and I hold myself amongst that over the last you know twenty odd years with these poor people. It shows the job the government should have been doing, and it shows the job the inquiry actually should have been doing. You know, we're halfway through, and it's all been kept very quiet and under the radar. But no, television has pushed it into people's consciousnesses in their front rooms, and it's got the whole country talking. It's dominated the headlines here um, since since it's been it's been on because scandal after scandal has just emerged. You know, uh, today. It's Stephen Bradshaw is expected to give evidence. He should have taken the stand 12 minutes ago, 10 a.m. UK time. He's the post office investigator that's already told the inquiry uh, we were paid 
to get convictions. We were paid to get people in prison. We were paid to prove, even though we all know it was wrong, we were paid to prove that their, their guilt so that the blame could be shifted away from the, the multi-million pound contract and onto the poor little people who didn't have a voice. He's admitted that. The investigators were incentivized to, to, to get these people behind bars. Doesn't that have parallels with the last few years? You know, who else was incentivized to get people to do things? And I do wonder if in 20 years time, we'll be seeing a docudrama about vaccine damage and the scandal that that is, because it has taken 20 years to, for this to come into the public consciousness. Incidentally, the writer of the drama, she said in one of the mainstream publications here yesterday, she's completely astounded by the, the reaction that this drama has has garnered. I mean, there's already been announced a change in the law. Rishi Sunak yesterday said he was going to exonerate all the victims and we're talking quite significant amounts of compensation, although the victims are saying it's nowhere near enough and I don't blame them. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how this inquiry now, phase four is resumed today, how it's handled because all of the eyes are now on it where they weren't before. Problem with inquiries, Rick, as we, we know, and we know from the, the COVID inquiry, if you can even call it that, is that inquiries don't apportion blame. No one ever loses their jobs. It's a fact-finding mission. The trouble is now the facts are already out there thanks to the drama. Uh, everybody knows what these fa the facts are and the human impact, which sometimes inquiries do tend to shy away from. They're quite dry, sterile environments. So it's going to be very different for the post office inquiry moving forward. As I say, we're only 12, 13 minutes in at the moment, so I don't have a particularly new line to bring, except that the inquiry has resumed again in a very different landscape for the post office. And, and I think we all agree that that is a good thing. It is just two points. Uh, one one is uh, in the last, uh, maybe even a bit, yeah, in the last hour, I was talking about a statement that Rishi Sunak had made uh, about this business, but he, he doesn't mention post office in a statement. He keeps going on about Horizon, how it was a Horizon scandal, how it was a Horizon horror story, how this would never happen again with Horizon. He doesn't mention the post office at all. And of course, they're inextricably linked in there. Also, because uh, of course the you know the post office is a national institution here in the UK and now we're having the word victim set alongside post office so would you have thought you know however many years ago that you'd say hey there's going to be horrible victims of the post office the post office is going to be responsible for death it's going to be responsible for divorce it's going to be responsible for bankruptcy it's going to be responsible for hundreds of people being wrongfully convicted of crimes they didn't commit i didn't ever foresee that one coming so i think there's an effort at the minute Gemma, the distance the post office from Horizon slash Fujitsu, I think they're going to try and pass the buck under them. And you also mentioned compensation as well and how long it takes sometimes for justice to be done, if justice is ever done in some cases. But as the, the victims of this uh, post office slash Horizon scandal have rightly said, it'll never be adequate, you know, because the government's view on what's adequate compensation and the victim's view on adequate compensation are night and day, as we've seen in the AstraZeneca cases, where people are fighting to get paltry payments that are supposed to replace a lifetime of uh, lost earnings and getting, what, 120 grand maximum? That's not going to replace 30 or 40 years earnings, is it? No, it's not. And that's why it's so interesting that the AstraZeneca case under the UK Consumer Protection Act is being um, taken to the high court, bypassing the government's compensation system and going straight to the, the supplier of the product, which they're saying was not fit for purpose. If they win that, those two people, um, you know, and one of those was a, is a widower of a, of a woman that died, um, the other one suffered life-changing injuries. If they win, it's going to open the floodgates 
for for everyone who is is adamant and it's been proven that you know you have to get a doctor to say it's vaccine damage but there are enough people to maybe take some of the pharmaceuticals down these brave people stood up against the post office it don't forget it was the post office pe- the, the staff the wrongly convicted and wrongly accused people that eventually got this to the high court that they had to do it themselves nobody nobody helped them they did it themselves they stood up and they have now they're winning they're winning, at least the moral, the moral side of it, the wrongful convictions. Yes, you're right. The financial side of it will never be won for them. Um, but the moral argument, you know, innocent people, completely innocent, hardworking people in what is considered a really respectable profession. You know, you go into that because you want to be a valued member of the community and be part of your local community and helping people. That's a very, you know, straight up job. And it's awful what happens. It's, I mean, I can't talk about it with getting, without getting very passionate. Um, but if they can win against the post office, you know, maybe this high court battle against AstraZeneca will be won and then we will see a changing landscape completely. And maybe that's part of where we're going now. I know I talk about the shift in consciousness all mm-hmm. the time. It gets boring for people, but maybe this is part of that. David standing up to Goliath in all areas of life, standing up against the system. And of course, Rishi Sunak will always say it was a horizon issue because at that time, the post office was under control of the government. So if if he keeps saying post office, he means government because that's who owned it at the time. Not anymore, but when the scandal happened. It'd be interesting, you know, if if this does actually happen uh, and the post office is actually named, you know, as the, the perpetrator in these crimes, you know, that is such a darling national institution. And you also mentioned the potential vaccine damage claims, maybe 20 years down the line. Uh, who, if we're still around at the time, you know, we'll be pushing 70. There's a scary thought for you. Or in their 70s, uh, in 20 years time, we'll still be uh, maybe croaking away on the radio saying, do you remember back in 2025? We talked about this, Gemma, and here it is in 2044. Who knows? Uh, Let's hope that uh, it doesn't take that long and let's hope that these people do actually get justice because, my friend, uh, it is horrific. And uh, Jock in the live chat, a big salute out to him this morning. He's quoting Metallica. Uh, They had an album that was released in 1988, I believe it was, and Justice for All. And in that song, the lyrics say, justice is lost, justice is raped, justice is gone and you know what there seems to be a very little uh, amount of it or a lack of justice being done these days and let's hope uh, this happens for these people these victims of the post office sooner rather than later so Gemma huge thanks to you as always uh, we'll talk again tomorrow Friday can you Adam and Eva tomorrow is Friday uh, all being well and I'll be back after this short news break with my first guest so please don't go away stay tuned here it's TNT today's news talk you should hear what Charlie Robinson is talking about I think once we saw the supply chain issues uh, that happened during the COVID debacle you go well that seems bad for the you know when you're fighting somebody for toilet paper but it could be worse right it could be the last can of food so people are starting to reevaluate and reassess their situations and their relationship with supply chains and the like and i think what that does is it leads you to a place of saying how can i make myself less dependent on the system it's kind of hard to know where to start right where would you suggest we even begin with this process yeah it's funny you said that because someone said to me recently and it made me laugh that this is going to be the kind of collapse where the Burger King's still open. I I think that's what's probably lulling people into a false sense of security in that everything when we go to the city kind of appears normal unless you're in one of those really crazy drug adult cities. But for most people I would say, Charlie, it feels normal but it ain't normal. (laughs) The world is not normal. It's completely gone off kilter. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio TNT.
choose to dance and dream of a better life, a brighter future, with nutritious food to eat, a chance to learn, to get an education, and do incredible things. Today, thanks to Children International and friends like you, she dances for the world. Together, we give children in poverty a chance to set their sights high and achieve their dreams by ensuring that they have access to health care, education, life skills, and more so they can grow, thrive, and believe in themselves. Gracias. Gracias. Learn more about Children International and join us in our life-changing work at children.org today. If you're still wearing a cloth or a surgical mask around in public, you're guilty of spreading COVID misinformation. It really is that simple. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Yeah, today's News Talk TNT. This is Locked and Loaded. I'm Rick Munn, and hopefully I'm going to be joined imminently uh, by my first guest, Dr. Tech Kong, uh, just waiting for him to connect in with the studio. All being well, he'll be doing that. Just interested uh, in the live chat. Some of you, for those of you who have been around for the last two years on TNT, what have you noticed uh, biggest changes possibly in TNT most welcome improvements in TNT. What's been your experience as a listener? And even since we brought in the live chat, of course, the live chat has become very, very boisterous, uh, especially during the UK morning slots. A lot of people logging on, a lot of new people logging on as well. What's your experience been there? I know a lot of you have connected even in real life as a result of the live chat here on TNT, which is fantastic. And I'm very welcome of that uh, additional feature that was introduced last year in 2023, or actually it was the tail end of 2022 uh, that we brought in the live chat, I think. And it's been an invaluable part of the station, in my opinion, since that was actually introduced. So uh, I have my first guest here. He has just connected with us and I would like to welcome, give a very special TNT welcome to Dr. Tech Kong. So Dr. Kong is a former uh, police surgeon. Uh, he is a former NHS doctor and a leader of the ADF, the Alliance for Democracy and Freedom. He became involved in politics uh, because of a decline in the NHS and the state that our country is in today. So a very warm welcome to you this morning. Uh, Dr. Kong, how are you doing today? Good morning. Fine. Thank you very much. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, interesting. It's going to be interesting to hear your views on this uh, because we're going to be talking a little bit about politics, but we're going to also be talking a lot about the NHS. And you're very, very well qualified to be able to talk about that because you're, of course, uh, an ex-NHS doctor. Uh, you have concerns at this point in time, uh, Dr. Kong, concerns over a dumbing down within the NHS, a brain drain, and also uh, anomalies of remuneration because we've seen a lot of uh, strikes happening recently. A lot of doctors have been striking to talking about paying conditions. Obviously, not every doctor is uh, badly off when it comes to that, but certainly some factions are. What's your take on that junior doctor strike and the strikes that have been ongoing within the NHS over the last 12 months? Thank you, Rick. Uh, basically, there's an awful lot that's wrong with the NHS. I mean, those three things you mentioned are just um, a bit of the flavor of what's gone wrong. Um, I think on the issue of pay, um, it's in a situation where a doctor 
So I think if you pay doctors properly, they wouldn't need to do that. That's the very mm. first thing to realize. And then when you look at the uh, the way GPs are remunerated, um, when I was a GP um, back in 1982, when I first entered practice, uh, the majority of my payment was uh, in capitation. That means uh, if you treated people properly and looked after them well, the word of mouth gets round and we will say, this is a good doctor, join his practice. But towards the end of my career, it was a minuscule portion of the income, the vast majority of it being made up by incentive payments. So we have situations where uh, I would, for example, I can quote very clearly, a situation where uh, a statin was in patent and quite expensive, about three times as expensive as the one that's not in in, uh, in, in patent, a generic form. Um, so we were paid 50 pence per patient to change from the more expensive version to the cheaper version, regardless of the merits of the more expensive version. And, and, and the, the litany of problems goes on. Uh, I remember once I stood up in a CCG meeting, I was a board member at the time. I said, look, um, you know, we don't need to incentivize doctors to launch your end of life uh, protocol campaign. We don't need to. We, I said, we, you know, you've taken the best of school leavers, you train them at university, go through medical school, develop their clinical acumen. And then when they come out the other end, you give them a load of protocols and guidelines and you emasculate the intellectual ability to think for themselves. And worst of all, in that particular situation, I say, we defy our respect for human dignity. So there are, there, there are those sort of situations which shows that the management is very insensitive and have made perverse use of incentives to meet management targets. So back, you know, if we fast forward to today, we have uh, an NHS in decline. Patients are having more and more difficulty seeing the, the doctors. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I went to see my GP. Uh, with due respect, it's not the person, it's the system. So when a senior GP, albeit a retired one, goes along to the surgery, uh, he's, he's greeted and, and diagnosed by an ACP. Now, she's a very good ACP, but I was hoping to see a doctor. I don't go and see a doctor every few minutes. So I think I deserve the benefit of uh, wise counseling and experience. On, you know, we, we have a whole host. I mean, the, the government is trying to plug a deficit in manpower by having cheap labor. Well, that's not the way forward. If this ACP were properly treated, she would have been encouraged to do medicine, go to medical school, given the broad training that's required of a doctor, develop their acumen to treat people safely, and she become a, a person of high caliber. We don't have that. We're trying to do things on the cheap, on the hoof. And when the, uh, the minister tells you we are putting a lot of money into the NHS, I think that's a lot of balloony because the money, yeah. a lot of the, a lot of the money goes into management, and a lot of it is perversely used. Tell me um, this: uh, you mentioned you mentioned incentives there as well. Uh, I used to work for a long time in financial services. I was a financial advisor for a large multinational bank and then in private practice myself. And certainly, uh, uh, the quality of the advice that a financial advisor gives will be inextricably linked with the amount of remuneration that they get for pushing a particular type of product. So some products yeah. were very very profitable, like lump sum investment bonds or lumps or lump sum life cover policies. Other things 
things were not profitable, like stakeholder pensions, for example, when they started cutting commission rates and that. So because many advisors, their their salary or the quality of the advice that they gave was linked to remuneration, is it not the same model that's wrecking uh, a lot of uh, advice that's being given by GPs practices and moving away from, you know, a, a reputation was something that would have attracted you to a, a GPs practice in the past. Now, a lot of GPs are being incentivized to do things that aren't right. And then it's ruining the reputation because I think, quite frankly, uh, the trust in uh, medicine at the minute and the trust in the NHS, I would argue, is at an absolute all-time low within the UK. And I think it's going to be very hard for that to recover, Tech, don't you? You're very right, Rick. Very right. Now, we, we had, a, as I said, we had a, a, an NHS in decline, and then came the COVID pandemic. So that was an excuse. I would say it was a deliberate excuse to degrade the service further. Now, I, I don't think our NHS will hold a, a light to... Uh, a lot of countries abroad, even countries we call third world. What we have at a is a situation where, uh, you know, I only met somebody on the streets uh, yesterday when I was leafleting. She said, um, I was I was given the, an appointment six weeks before I could see a GP. And when I went to see the GP, he had the temerity to say, I, have, I can only report one problem in 10 minutes. But she said, I have That's other it. problems. Could they be linked together? Oh, no. Now, that, that is a situation. I think what we need is to, is to do is to free the doctors to do what they need to do uh, for the patients. Uh, I, I always say on social media and general speeches and so on, there is a tripartite compact between the government, the people, and the profession. Now, what it is is, you know, the people pay the government the taxes. The taxes are used to treat uh, the patients. What's happened is the relationship between the doctor and the patient has been very, well, it's been subverted, it's been undermined by incentives, wrong use of incentives. What we need to do is to reconfigure the tripartite so the government becomes smaller, management becomes more uh, efficient, and we want the patient to respond, well, the doctors to respond to the patient needs directly, and the patient be able to connect with the doctors. That is not a situation now. Any any mainstream party, let alone the smaller new parties, will not be able to tell you where the fault lies. And I want to stand and campaign for the people. That's not asking well, a lot, I, I think, is it? What well, we need to well, do it's, is also... It, uh, I, I listen. I, I would love. I would love to expand on this with you now, but we'll have to cut to a news break. But what I would like to do, uh, we, what we'll do is we'll stay in contact, and uh, hopefully I'll get you back again when we have a little bit longer to expand on some of those issues that you were talking about. Because there's a lot of questions that I have for you, especially because of your background and because you'll be able to give it to us from a you know behind the scenes uh, perspective. But for now, unfortunately, we'll have to call time on this. That's uh, Doctor Tech Kong Tech. Thank you very very much uh, for coming on and speaking so frankly and so openly here on TNT Today's News Talk. We'll be right back after this short uh, news headline here. Don't go away. Uh, Lois Perry is incoming here on TNT. Really big, 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 big. The biggest breaking news story. Big, gigantic, big, enormous. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. There was high drama in Washington on Wednesday as the president's son, Hunter Biden, taunted congressional leaders by crashing his own contempt of Congress hearing. NATO member Finland is reportedly planning to extend its border closure with Russia for at least another month. 
And it's been revealed the war in Ukraine has led to a tenfold increase in the price of weapons and ammunition. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda. It never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. Okay, uh, welcome back. This is TNT Today's News Talk. I'm very happy to be joined for the first time on the show by Lois Perry. Lois is a broadcaster and also she is a director of car26.org, which is uh, campaigning for rational analysis of climate matters with a satirical twist. Lois, good morning and uh, welcome to TNT. Good morning. You Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Listen, we want to talk very briefly uh, about uh, Keir Starmer's flip-flopping mm. around. He's obviously trying to get elected uh, this year, and the chances are actually very high that he will occupy 10 Downing Street sooner rather than later. A lot of people mm. are shuddering at the thought of that. He doesn't seem to be yeah. able to hold a, a decent position on just about anything. What's he doing now with regards to his climate agenda? He seems to be backpedaling a little bit in this one, doesn't he? Well, I mean, I've had a policy for some time about spending £28 billion, where's that going to come from, on green projects and, and making us completely um, unreliable, you know, not using any fossil fuels by 2030, which is absolutely ludicrous. Um, but then he said that he was going to go back on it. This was four or five days ago because the, they, they said that the Tories were going to be doing loads of tax giveaways and the public were keen on net zero. And then two days later, he's on Sky with uh, Trevor Phillips and suddenly, no, we are fully committed to our 28 billion pounds clean energy thing. The whole thing is insanity. Of course, if they really genuinely believed in, in net zero and CO2 emissions causing the planet to warm or whatever, or, or climate change, um, then they would be fracking because, of course, fracking is actually, you know, the way that we can get our energy out of the ground with the least CO2 emissions. So if they genuinely believed this, uh, this whole net zero stuff, they wouldn't be doing wind turbines. They wouldn't be doing solar. They would actually be fracking. So, yeah, more flip-flopping for Mr. Starmer. <laughs> And also, uh, you know, they're they're trying to model uh, Britain's trying to model their you know renewable energy model on Germany, and Germany's just about uh, under a state of complete economic collapse at the minute. Uh, this yeah. amount of money, as well, that Starmer was talking about, it was a twenty-eight billion uh, pound <laughs> green investment target. Uh, so it's not a target anymore; it's simply an ambition that he has. He couldn't be yeah. any more fluffy about this one if he could. Why doesn't he just throw his hands up and say, "Listen, I made a complete mistake. This is going to." run Britain into the ground. Do you not think that that would actually get him a little bit of respect because he needs as much respect as he can get with voters instead of namby-pambying around, taking these fluffy positions? Why can't he just nail his colours to the mast and call a spade a spade? Well, he won't, Willie. I mean, there's a really good satirical website in the UK called The Upper Lip, and they actually did a joke the other day, you know, Keir Starmer's got some really good policies, but if you don't like that, he's got others, you know. He just, whoever he speaks to, he changes his mind. He just he, he, he wants to get into number 10, 
and completely create a neo-Marxist dystopia. That, that's what I believe. And net zero, they are literally, literally taxing us for the air we breathe. There is someone with a cat in a cave stroking a white cat laughing at us at the moment. And uh, Keir Starmer is their boy. But unfortunately, so is Rishi Sunak. I mean, Rishi Sunak's biggest, biggest selling point is that I won't be as bad as Keir Starmer. I mean, it really is a dire state of affairs at the moment. At least in the US there is a genuine choice between Trump and you know sensible policies and capitalism and people having jobs and cheap energy and you know the neo-Marxists on the other side we haven't got that we literally have you know as Andrew Bridgen MP calls it the uni party you know mm -hmm. two sides of the um so, well, I'm not going to say it but <laughs> two cheeks of the two same arse I think yeah, that's yeah, what I you were going to say, say I'll Andrew say it for you it's a thank you. It's a dire state of affairs. It really, really is. Reform and UKIP both have anti-net zero policies, mm -hmm. but we haven't got first past the post. So, you know, we'll see how that goes for them. But yeah, it, 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 it's a sad state of affairs. But, but Keir Starmer, he's, um, the problem is Labour voters don't like him either. Nobody likes him. But then the Tories don't like Rishi Sunak either. So... Bring on Nigel. But I don't think Nigel Farage is going to do it, actually, from no. reading between the lines recently. He doesn't want to I tell do you, it. It's, do you know what it's like? This is like, you know, if you don't like sushi, for example, and you go to a sushi bar, it doesn't matter what you look at on the menu. There's nothing <laughs> no, really that's doesn't. particularly You either like raw fish or you don't. Yeah. Yeah. No, me neither. So right. so this is the UK political, uh, uh, how would you say, climate at the minute, to me, would be like going to a sushi bar. It's like, well, I don't like anything that's on there at all. I'd rather stay hungry than uh, consume any of the products that are in front of me. And when you think, uh, you know, you name some of the people uh, that are out there as potential candidates for prime minister it makes for grim watching 2024 just as we're up this one up here lois 2024 will be a big year uh the, the the consensus seems to be that listen whether or not you're into politics or not if there was to be an ideal situation for a result in 2024 it would be that a huge amount of independent uncompromised candidates uh get elected into westminster and cause massive widespread changes i don't know that that's going to happen so i think sadly we are going to be saddled with stormer and for what it's worth you know his flip-flopping around and his lack of commitment to any one thing in particular it shows that he can be easily swayed by public opinion as well however he also has his paymasters behind closed doors that i believe are uh pulling here stormer strings he will say whatever he needs to say to get elected. But Lois, uh, we're going to have to call this one now. We'll have to take a little uh, ad break. It was an absolute pleasure talking to you. Hopefully, uh, we'll talk again sooner rather than later as this continues continues to develop and so that's uh lois perry uh, she is from uh, car26.org please check out her website a campaigner for rational analysis of climate matters with a satirical sp uh, spin not spring spin so thank you very much uh, for that lois we've got to take a little break as per right now and then fabio vici will be joining me shortly afterwards on tnt today's news talk sometimes life can be overwhelming and suicide may seem like the only way to relieve the pain. Beyond Now is an evidence-based app created by Beyond Blue to help you cope when suicidal thoughts start to appear. You can use it to create an easy-to-follow plan that is personal to you and includes steps like know your warning signs so you can act early, make your environment safe by removing harmful items, 
activities you can do or people you can be with to distract yourself from suicidal thoughts. Reminders of things that make you feel strong. Some of these steps might be tough to fill out, and that's okay. It can be helpful to make or share your safety plan with a trusted friend, family member, or mental health professional. You might feel like you're alone, but help is available. If you're worried you can't stay safe, use the red telephone icon to call your emergency contacts. Download the free Beyond Now app today to create your personal safety plan. Are you ready to help your family get prepared for the unexpected? Here we go! Ladybug and Cat Noir know how important it is to be ready. Because you never know when Hawk Moth is going to strike or a disaster will hit. And you don't need miraculous powers. Just put those planning skills you already have to good use. Make a plan that will help you and your family be ready when emergencies happen. Ready Kids can help. Get started at ready.gov kids. This is Locked and Loaded with Rick Munn on TNT. Okay, it's uh, Locked and Loaded TNT Radio, or not even uh, TNT Radio, just Today's News Talk. I'm so used to calling it that after so many years. It's Thursday, the 11th of January, 2024, and I'm really happy to be joined again by my old sparring partner from Cardiff University, none other than Fabio Vici, Professor of Critical Theory and Italian. I have a theory about Fabio. You know, if you watch movies, Superman, you know, he was a mild-mannered reporter by day. Uh, Spider-Man also was a reporter, Peter Parker, and then, of course, he morphed into the amazing Spider-Man. Fabio's there. He's in Cardiff University. He says he's a professor of this and a professor of that. He, he plays a little bit of table tennis, but I believe Fabio has hidden depths that we have not yet discovered yet. Fabio, what what what's what, what are you really all about? You're not really a professor, are you? No, no, no. Of course not. It's just a you know, it's just a mask that I put on. I've got to, I've got, I've got to play some sort of social role, right? You got, you got to do, do something in life, yeah. But no, I think I'm not. You're right. I, I think I, you're right. I, but I, you need to guess. You need to guess what my right identity is. You haven't guessed it yet. Well, I, you know, I have my theory, and I don't want to say what that is in case you get arrested and questioned by uh, MI6. Right. So we're just going to we're just yeah. we're just going to leave it at that for yeah. now. But listen, uh, happy New Year, by the way. Uh, we were supposed happy to talk to last you, week, Rick. but through one thing and another, uh, we had to reschedule to today. But listen, everything happens for a reason. Really nice to have you back again. Of course, even since the last time we spoke, it's my old mantra with you: a lot of water has passed under the bridge. Want to look yeah. a little bit about the Middle East at the minute. Uh, interesting, I think, if you've been following this, which undoubtedly you have, there's a little bit of a change in support, I would say, for Israel at the minute. South Africa obviously have accused them of genocide. We're seeing people like David Cameron who are becoming a little bit more uh, less hard-edged on their support for Israel. Even Anthony Blinken is saying, listen, you might want to you know, think about carefully. Of course, you've got the right to defend yourselves, but you know, at the minute, the estimated death toll in Gaza alone is 23,000 people, including 10,000 kids. Uh, 85% of the 2.3 million people living in Gaza have now been displaced. There could be a famine coming up there. Could you see, can you see a backlash beginning to develop, or not even a backlash, but certainly a, a waning of support towards Israel, the same as we're seeing a waning of support towards, for example, uh, Vladimir Zelensky in Ukraine? Um, yeah, well, I think we've seen it from the beginning. The US were always you know, playing this, this game of saying, you know, okay, go in, but be careful of what you do. Don't we don't want too many casualties, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that the wider picture is more interesting, and I think it will develop uh, throughout 2024, will be probably the main theme of 2024 in geopolitical terms. 
And um, from my angle, it's very important to try and connect the dots um, between the, geo the geopolitical uh, theater the, in which we are now, a very tragic one. We're talking about a genocide, really, as you just mentioned, and uh, and and what is actually going on in the in the economy, in particular the financial markets, because I think that's the key connection to make today. So um, I think what's what's going to happen in in 2024, probably sooner than we think. It's it's again further escalation of the conflict. Obviously, Iran is has got a target. Uh, on the map, um, mm -hmm. and they, they're trying to draw in, uh, I think, Iran uh, in, to try and escalate the conflict. And I think this plays very much in in the hand of what they're trying to do with the financial sector, which is um, um, cutting rates, right? I mean, they're trying to make money cheaper. They know that they have to do that because liquidity is drying up in the banks. And they've got also, I think, a few dates in mind, um, the, the Fed obviously has already hinted at uh, rate, three rate cuts for 2024. The first one, uh, I think, in March, um, next March. Um, so, you know, the, I think the problem is now that it, it's kind of, it sounds so perverse, but I think it is really perverse, uh, the, <laughs> the, the, the connection between geopolitics and, uh, and the financial uh, sector. Um, the perversion lies in the fact that they need a recession quite badly now, so that they can push more money into the system, right? They need a big, big geopolitical crisis, global, um, possibly. And I think this theater that they got in, 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 uh, in the Middle East provides, you know, a lot of ammunition towards that end. And the end is that uh, once the, the, the recession is officially declared, they can speed up even the, the, the program on, on cutting interest rates and make money more easily available to banks and so on and so forth also because let's not forget that you know that, that they have a, a facility in place the fed has a facility in place now for um backing up liquidity in the system um i think it's called bank term um uh, fund program in fact that's what it's called and and it was it, it was created uh, to, to support uh, banks after the failure of uh, last year, you know, the regional banks in California particularly. So basically, it's just money that goes into, that is lent cheaply into the, into the system to keep them afloat. But this facility is coming to an end on the 11th of March of this year, once again. And that, when, when that happens, they will need to find new, way, new ways uh, to pump money into the system, right? And that's the, the key that's key to everything, as far as I'm concerned. Right? Finding ways to pump money into the system, and what you know, what we learned since 2020 is that they need a crisis to do it. Right? They need a massive geopolitical or biopolitical, whatever crisis, so that they can justify their uh, monetary policy. Their what we've seen now is a flip-flopping monetary policy. You know, raising rates and now lowering rates. I think that's really what's at stake in the Middle East. Um, um, you know, there's, there's a lot more to that. But fundamentally, it's about creating the conditions for uh, justifying the injection of, again, trillions of money or, you know, hundreds of billions of money into the system uh, at a time when liquidity is once again drying up. Uh, that's, I think, the, the existential problem for, the, the, you know, the, the kind of perverse system in which we are now. 
we have been, uh, I suppose you'd say, you know, we've been talking together for what the best part of two years now. It'll be two years, I think, in February was the first time you came on to Locked and Loaded. Back then, uh, yeah. we were in the throes of the COVID scandemic. Uh, we were seeing money being printed hand over fist, you know, for uh, lockdown payments for the so-called yeah. furlough payments. Billions being spent on tests and trace in the UK, billions being spent on PPE, billions being spent pumping up the share prices of pharmaceutical companies. But as that narrative, uh, Fabio, began to wane, then, of course, in February of 2022, uh, we saw the U Ukraine or Russia, as they would call it, their special military operation in the Ukraine. That then stoked up the fires of money printing again back then. As that narrative has waned over the course of 18 months, yeah. then October 7th last year, we saw the uh, Israel Palestine conflict really escalating. And as you say, uh, Iran, you mentioned Iran as well, uh, into 2024, America would love nothing more than to go full on with a war with Iran. Something happened there recently. Um, there was a, a bomb went off at a, the second anniversary right. of the assassination of uh, Qasem Soleimani. And if you can remember, uh, Donald Trump authorized the drone strike assassination yes. of Soleimani back in January. I think it yeah. was of 2020, 2020 actually, mm. or it was 2022. I can't remember which one. But either way, uh, there's a lot of tension there and a lot of unresolved uh hatred towards America never really got out. And we're seeing Yemen as well uh, attacking ships in the Red Sea. That's, right. That's putting spot prices for containers up there, having to sail right around uh, the Horn of Africa before they make their deliveries up to Europe, which is again pushing prices up now. The squeeze is relentless, isn't it? Yeah, so they're playing on different tables. And I think this allows them to have the possibility, at least, of creating a recession, right? And saying, oh, we got a recession because you know, trade is, is going down, prices are going up. And so we need to accelerate this um, interest rate cuts, you know, and, and I think they will, they will try to do that. That's why they're trying they try to draw in Iran. And um, th th there's something going on there that speaks to me, you know, that, that, that very obviously, I think, suggests that it's got to do with, once again, monetary policy. Um, particularly the way they want to bring uh, interest rates down now. And of course, Powell has already hinted at, at, at doing that. No, they, it has already paused. And now uh, the idea is that we're going to see a pivot in, in 2024. And I think the geopolitics of the Middle East um, are really connected with, with that strategy. Obviously, the Houthi rebels um, attacking uh, cargoes in the Red Sea, as you mentioned, uh, forces, uh, you know, basically forces prices to increase and potentially creates a, um, a you know, a geopolitical, uh, a trade crisis once again. Um, so we got, we, we're back to, to that playbook, you know, that we've been talking about for three years. I'm afraid it's the same one. Um, it's about war this time. Um, it's not necessarily about COVID again, even though even though they're still talking about about new variants. Um, in Italy, they've been pushing uh, over the last couple of weeks again the swine flu or a mixture of a swine flu and a new COVID variant, some strange creature that is circulating and that is, you know, um, creating again this climate of fear or attempting to create a climate of fear again. Joining the dots is very important. If they push in cheap money again into the system, inflation will 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 come up again, very easily. You know, you got you got people like Pimco, which is the big the probably one of the biggest bond managers in the United States, who've already 
said the other day that, you know, inflation is, is not under control. It's going to come up again. It's going gonna, it's gonna to raise again because, of course, they, are, they, they understand what's going on. They understand that once cheaper money gets, gets channeled into the banking system, then inevitably uh, inflation will uh, increase, increase too. And I think that's where we are now. And, and unfortunately, 2024, I think we will see more and more um, war escalation, war expansion, precisely to create conditions uh, that are, you know, good for monetary policy in terms of making money cheaper to borrow. Um, for for the especially for the financial sector, obviously, right? I mean, we don't mm-hmm. we we don't we don't count. We are background noise as far as mm-hmm. the financial sector is concerned. The real no. The paradox is that the real economy is, is everywhere is 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 cratering, and yet the financial uh, sector is doing well. You know, everything is hunky dory if you look at the financial sector. Everything seems perfect, right? Prices are going up. Uh, everything is inflating. We, we, we've had a Santa rally. Um, uh, and and the Santa Rally is continuing into the new year, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know. And this yet, the look at economic data. Every yeah, there's no there's no connection anymore. It's it's incredible. There's there's a complete disconnect between what goes on in the real world, in the real economy, yeah. and the magical world of of stocks and bonds. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. to me, it's 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 remarkable how people. People still think that we live in the 90s year where there was maybe still some kind of connection between the two. The, you know, if the real economy is doing well, then that's reflected in the financial sector. Now, it's, it's, there's not, no such thing any longer. You know, there's no connection anymore. We've got a wonderful kind of paradise in, in, in stocks and, and we got hell in, in, in the real economy because all data are suggesting that things are, are, are moving down or, or at least stagnating in, in, in the real economy. So crazy times uh, they are and, and one thing else uh, i want to ask you about is uh, we did touch on and off about china and taiwan over the last year or so yeah. uh you know there was simmering tension there will they won't they invade them you know china has been uh, i wouldn't say quiet it hasn't been quiet at all china's doing its thing behind the scenes but yeah. what i mean is uh, a lot more prevalent things so of course russia ukraine dominated for so long and now since um uh, october 7th last year israel palestine the middle east talking about bringing in jordan and egypt and uh, iran hezbollah all these groups syria uh, what's going on in the red sea yemen there's a huge focus at the minute on the Red Sea, could we be hit by a double, a double whammy this year of war? Could we see some special military operation on China's part? They wade into Taiwan. And then, of course, then you have that happening at the same time. An extra reason to pump more money into the uh, into the monetary system, not just because of Iran, but hey, no. what better reason to do it than because of Red China? Yeah, I think, I think unfortunately, war is today the single most, you know, useful yeah, in unfortunately, right, um, uh, way of uh, attracting money into the now, into into the present, and it's like a magnet. You know, the more wars you have, the more you can borrow, the more you can justify money creation programs, and the system badly needs money creation programs. The system now runs on on fake money, on artificial money, on on magic money, money created out of nowhere, and and w- with COVID, that logic has become so obvious that it's just impossible to ignore it. 
And um, so I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if, if multiple, you know, they're playing on multiple tables, you know, um, it's like a gambling on multiple tables. They've, they've, yeah. and, and, they got, and they've got a very good setting in front of them. They've got, you know, a very good, uh, from their perspective, obviously, a very good situation. They can, you know, they've got a number of red buttons to, to, that they can press if they want to escalate things mm-hmm. here and there. And then tell us that, that there's, a, there's a mega crisis and, and, and we've got to do something about it. You know, whatever it takes, famous whatever it takes comes back um, into the frame. Um, so I'm afraid 2024, I, I can see a recession happening followed by, you know, a, a recession which is disinflationary or deflationary, um, mm-hmm. followed by money printing and pumped into the system, which will create further inflation in both cases you get money devaluation so your money will be worth less and less unfortunately and mine <laughs> i was about to say uh, we're talking about the tra- the vast amounts of wealth that has been transferred around uh, the globe over the last few years I, I can't speak in your behalf, but not a lot of it is finding its way into my pocket and no. uh, probably not yours either. Rishi Sunak, no. just as we're up this one up, he's banging on. Uh, and Jeremy Hunt was on yesterday getting eviscerated about the Tories' alleged tax cuts. They're not really tax cuts at all. And even someone fact-checked Rishi Sunak when he said, hey, put your information into this conservative website and we'll calculate exactly what your cut is. Somebody said this is actually a data harvesting website and to spam you with conservative uh, bump coming up to the general election, you'd be better off going straight to the HMRC's website. Yeah. You know, speaking very frankly, uh, and we've only got a minute or two left, uh, Fabio, time is absolutely flying by here. But yeah, yeah, this transfer of wealth, none of it's coming our way. The rich definitely are wow. getting richer, while the poor definitely are getting poor. There is no uh, prosperity here. It's just a simple massive uh, robbery no. going on on behalf of it's, the government it's, bandits. It's optical illusion really taking place. They keep telling us that things are... They're even manipulating data on unemployment. And they even told us recently, oh, look, you know, what we told you about unemployment wasn't really true. Um, the way we calculated it isn't... Because it's so obviously untrue. You know, they, they, they think about the fact that, that in the United States alone, there's about 99 million people not even looking for a job anymore. They're not even... They're, so they're not counted as unemployed. They're not counted as unemployed, right? So um, the whole thing is it's, uh, it's, it's, um, it's, it's artificial and there's a lot of propaganda going on. We know that. Sleight of hand. And, uh, you, you mentioned, you mentioned yeah. optical illusions there, you know, and those are something that, that, that trick the eyes. I'm thinking about sleight of hand here as well. If you ever, yeah. I, I really like to watch a good sleight of hand practitioner, you know, yeah. a real professional, <laughs> because what they can do is mind-blowing, yeah. but it, it is all to do with distractions, you know, while the left hand's doing something, the right hand's Absolutely. doing something else, and then you're left scratching your head. I think what's happening, even if I could expand on what you've said, is I think it's a mixture of optical illusions plus yeah. uh, very deft sleight of hand maneuvers that are going on by all the world's governments uh, getting us to look to the left while they do something to the right and then when they're looking to the right to see what happened then the left hand's doing something else uh, all together Absolutely. so crazy crazy times that we're in we said before we'll say it again and it doesn't look like there's going to be any let up in that uh, in 2024. And in that, uh, we're going to have to uh, draw this one to a close. Fabio, it's been an absolute blast talking to you again, as always. And I'm always very appreciative of you taking time out of your day to talk to me because I know you're a very uh, busy man. So that's Fabio Vici, Professor of Critical Theory and Italian and XXX. 
to be disclosed at some point here on TNT. Uh, always a blast. Have a great day, my friend. And of course, have a very uh, blessed 2024. I'm Rick Munn. Uh, it's time for me to exit stage left. And James Freeman is incoming with the Free Freeman Report. So please stay tuned for more here on TNT. Today's News Talk. Talk.